Good morning, all. You know, this morning, I just want to shift this atmosphere to, you know, whatever your week's been like, whatever your morning's been like, whatever's on your mind. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to say the name of Jesus three times. And when we say it each time, think about what you're releasing. And think about what the power and the name of Jesus is releasing in the atmosphere. Because sometimes I think we forget about the power that's in that name. We forget about how just speaking his name, just speaking his blood, because his blood gives a better promise, right? So... We're just going to breathe in, and three times we're going to do it nice and slow. Jesus. 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 We release your name in this atmosphere. We release your name in this atmosphere. Oh, we welcome your Holy Spirit to have preeminence. We welcome your Holy Spirit. Oh, you need no invitation from us, Lord. We welcome you. We welcome all that you say, all that you do, all that you are, all the different ways you speak to us, all the different ways you come to us. We welcome your heart. We welcome your thoughts. We welcome your plan. We welcome your agenda, God. We have no agendas in this place. Holy Spirit, we have no agendas in this place. We just welcome you to sweep through here. Sweep through here. We release the fire. We release the angelic. We release the wind, Holy Spirit. We release you to do what you want to do in this place. To say what you want to say in this place. Give us receptive hearts, hearing ears, teachable spirits. Give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, God. For freedom. For it was for freedom that you made us free. You set us free. And you told us once you set us free, don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In your love and your mercy. You got in the middle of the judgment between the woman caught in adultery and, and, and the, the uh, Pharisees. But you said, when you set her free, you said, go and sin no more. You're released. You're forgiven. But don't do it anymore. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, all things are permissible, but all things are not wise. And don't use your liberty for an occasion to sin. Lord Jesus, you are the center of our world. You are the focus of our life. That is where you belong. That is your position. And you don't take second best. You don't take second best. You want all or nothing. All or nothing. You don't take second best. You are king of kings and lord of lords. You're not the vice president. You are the president of our lives. And so we can't tuck you into a position where we want you to be. We have to let you come to the forefront of our lives. We have to move when you say move. We have to speak when you say speak. We have to be quiet when you say be quiet. We have to sit down when you say sit down. We have to submit, Father God, when you say to submit. And when you tell us to walk in authority and come out of agreements with containment and silence, we will do that. 
bring us into a new consecration, Lord, where we lay aside those things in our lives. And they'll be different for all of us. But where we lay aside those things in our lives that have become idols, those things that we have pushed to the forefront and given you the back seat instead of the front seat, those things where we have been addicted to our comforts, where we have been addicted to our ways of doing things. So long, some of us, that we have stopped even hearing the voice of God aright because we've listened too much to that inner voice. We've listened too much to self. We've listened too much to the opinion of the world, the culture of the world. But we live in kingdom culture. And in kingdom culture, you're the only one who's politically correct. Because it's your kingdom, and you're the king, and we serve your purposes. Our purpose is your purpose. Our vision is your vision. Our plan is your plan. Your desires are our desires. Our wants are what you want. Our needs are what you say we need. God, bring us to a place of total surrender. Total surrender. Total surrender. Teach us what it is to surrender. Your word says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I won't have to browbeat you. You'll do it out of love. You'll do it out of love because you love me. Not because of the letter of the law, but because you love me. You didn't come, Jesus, to take away the law, but to fulfill that law that says all things are done because of love. And love is the principal thing. So God, let us surrender our hearts and our minds Lord, to every word that is coming out of your mouth. You said we don't live by natural bread alone, but we live by every single word that comes out of the mouth of God. And if it's not coming out of your mouth, it's no good. And furthermore, Lord, we ask you to make your habitation in our mouths. Make your home in our mouths, because if you make your habitation in our mouths, Lord, we'll speak truth and we will speak it in love and we'll say the right things. Lord, we don't want you just as we say, live in our heart and we understand what people say when they mean that. But live in all of me, Jesus, live in my mouth, live in that space in my head that the flesh and the world and the enemy tries to invade, that battleground. Lord, we trust you. We trust you, God. We trust you this morning as we receive your word. We trust you. We trust you. And we thank you, Lord. And we keep our focus on you. I bind distractions. I bind limited thoughts, confined thoughts. I bind ungodly interference and ungodly interruption. And again, I release your name into the atmosphere. And what's his name? Jesus! Thank you, Pepper. All right, you guys need to stand. Listen, I don't know how it is that we sit down during times like this, but when the king is in the room, we stand or we bow or we fall on our faces before him. And we just need to rightly regard what it is that he is doing in and through us right now. So I just want you to take a second and I want you to, to focus in on what it is that we are doing here today. We haven't gathered because we like each other. We've gathered to make much of Jesus. So right now, I want you to just center your focus 
on who it is that he is to you right now. And if that's not blowing your mind, ask for a bigger picture. Because when he comes in, he fills the room. Scripture tells us that just the train of his robe fills the temple. Just the train of his robe. Ask him to teach you to regard his presence. Jesus. Jesus. Just release your prayer. Jesus. You need to say his name. Jesus. Jesus. As you're saying his name, release something into this room. All of us should have come ready to release something. Every one of us has something to bring to the table this morning. Jesus, Jesus, we just thank you for your fire that is filling the room right now. I just thank you for the flames that are sitting atop each of our heads. That you have come to purify. Because you're interested in gold. I want you to pray that over yourself. You've come to purify me because you're interested in gold. We welcome you. Refiner's fire. We welcome you in this place. We welcome you. Now that you're in a, a right space to regard him, I want you to ask him to remind you of what your yes was. What is it that you have told him yes for in the last week? For those of you that were at the conference last week, perhaps God provoked a yes in you. I want you to ask him to remind you. Know full well what it is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to remind you that he bought you at a high price. And he filled you with everything that he has access to. So if your yes is not requiring you to expand, you need a bigger dream. Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Let us feel the weight of our yes this morning. Let us feel the weight of what it is that you have prepared for us. Let us be a people who will boldly go where it is that you are asking us to go. Amen. All right, you can sit down. Sorry. Okay, with our yes in mind, I want to talk about what it means to say yes to the Lord. I think so many times throughout our lives, we have said yes to God, and we have barely budged. We say yes to God, we make a quick little agreement, and then we do nothing. And here's what I know, that where God is taking us He's not playing around. 
He's not playing around with our low-level commitment to the things that he's asking of us. And what we need to understand is that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are not saying yes to the person living next door to us. We aren't saying, sure, I'll watch your dog while you're away. We're saying yes to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's not asking you to babysit his dream. He's asking you to act on it. He's filled you with his intentions, his desires, that his kingdom would be manifest on the earth. Jesus is the desire of the nations. And you are the one carrying what he intends to release. It's time to scale our agreements. And I know what it feels like to have God ask you to do something that is beyond yourself. I know what it feels like to, to have a dream planted inside of you that requires a company of people to make an agreement with the call on your life. I know. Do you? Have you allowed it to go that far? Have you allowed yourself to see so far outside of yourself, knowing that it takes everyone in the room to get you to where it is that God's wanting you to be? Have you allowed it to go that far? If you are not feeling completely out of control within your yes, you're not doing it right. Oh, and we love control, don't we? Don't we? Our American church is so bound by a political and religious spirit. We love control. We love control so much. We want God's dream in our life to be pretty, tidy. We don't want it to look or appear as if we are trying to become something. Do you know what pride actually is? It's making much of your opinions. Exalting your opinions of self above God's opinion of you. If I'm going to walk around thinking of myself as though I am the scum of the earth, I am in direct defiance to God. Our yes looks like something. It requires something of us. It actually is violent and requires that we be broke open in order for all of it to spill out. There's a violence in it all. I should probably get to my notes or we're never going to get through this teaching. Um, let's go to Proverbs 29, 18. If you were on on Friday, some of this is going to be a, a repeat, but that's okay. How many of you need to hear things like a hundred times before it actually sinks in? That's me. Proverbs 29, 18. When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Where there is no vision, people perish. In the footnotes, it actually says that astray, that word astray in there, means that they are naked. They are not clothed with a dream. We should be clothed with a God dream. And something that God is bringing back up for me is something he taught me years ago, is that when in regard to vision, we must see while we can. We must see while we can. I learned this walking the cornfields for an entire summer through the entire harvest process. While the corn was still little, God was like, Angie, tell me everything that you can see far and wide. So I started listing everything off. Then he asked me that again months later, and I couldn't see anything beyond the corn because it was above my head, and the cute little corn had crowns at that point. And I couldn't see anything, but I could remember. Because while there was vision far and wide, I listed everything that I could see so that when the harvest had grown up tall and I felt as if I were closed in, I could recall 
everything. Are you doing that in your life? Because God's not messing around and he's seeded a dream in you. And now is the time to look and see all that you can. You have to look around your yes and see all that you can now. Because I promise you, as you allow this dream to grow, as you continue to say yes to God at every single turn, you will feel pressed in. It's God's intention. You can't make wine without a press. We love to talk about the oil, and we love to talk about new wine, but we always fail to count the cost of the pressing. Your yes will put a demand on your life. And I don't really care what your opinion is of obedience or submission. It will require obedience and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We have to be obedient to the word of the Lord. We have played around with this so much, so much that our word is frail and it is weak. I love Jim Kennedy came up last weekend and he said something along the lines of when he was growing up, he learned full well that my word is my bond. You guys, we, we're not even that way with Jesus Christ. Our word isn't our bond. Our word is weak. Our word is flimsy and it's far too flexible. What God is asking of us requires that we fully commit to it, that we make covenant with him through our yes. And it will require everything of you. We talk about all the things that we want to see. We want to see healings. We've said yes in a manner to the commission of go and heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. But we don't have a clue as to what that's going to cost. For some of us, it will cost us our relationships. It'll cost us our comfort. It will cost us our, our ability to decide, well, I just don't feel like doing that today, so I'm just going to watch TV for 10 hours. It's going to cost everything to say yes to the magnificent call that is on your life. Let's go to Luke 14. We taught on this back in December when we were talking about the cost. I don't know if any of you remember that. But I'm going to refresh your memory. Luke uh, 14. We're going to start in verse 25. The cost of following Jesus. As massive crowds followed Jesus, he turned to them and said, When you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers. Yes, you will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my followers. Have you counted the cost? Have you counted the cost to this degree? We're not talking about the simplicity of God said, go do this. And you waver in that. We're talking about the full on cost of becoming his. This is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my followers. And anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own. Or he cannot be considered to be my disciple. So don't. Follow me without considering what it will cost you. For who would construct a house before first sitting down to estimate the cost to complete it? Otherwise, he may lay, lay the foundation and not be able to finish. The neighbors will ridicule him, saying, look at him. 
He started to build, but he couldn't complete it. See, while you still can. See, we love the prophetic. We love to collect prophetic words. We love it when Jesus says nice things about us and gives us this like grandiose picture of who we are. We love, we are collectors of the prophetic. Part of vision is actually the responsibility in seeing is actually counting the cost. This is the part of vision that we don't talk about and this is the part of vision we don't like. But it is the part of vision that is the most important. Having the grandiose picture is fun. I'm not negating that. I love that just as much as the next person. But part of seeing while you still can is being able to count the cost. What is it going to cost you to say yes to the picture that God is giving you? Are you being responsible with the word of the Lord? You will rob the prophetic of its power if you won't count the cost. Let's keep reading. Have you ever heard of a commander who goes out to war without first sitting down with strategic planning to determine the strength of his army to win the war against a stronger opponent? If he knows he doesn't stand a chance of winning the war, the wise commander will send out delegates to ask for the terms of peace. Likewise, unless you surrender all to me, giving up all you possess, you cannot be one of my disciples. Salt is good for seasoning, but if salt were to lose its flavor, how could it ever be restored? It will never be useful again, not even fit for the soil or the manure pile. If you have ears opened by the Spirit, then hear the meaning of what I have said and apply it to yourself. He just reiterated everything I just said. If you do not count the cost during the vision process, you essentially have no flavor. And it is our responsibility to fulfill the word of the Lord to its full, to its full measure. Are you doing that? I don't want us to just be a people that on a whim stand here and are moved by the presence of God and want to say, yes, Lord, I agree. That's who I am. Break me open. And then walk out the doors and nothing that you do from that point on aligns with what he just said to you. If I can be so bold, what I feel God is saying is enough is enough. He's not playing around. He's had enough. He's had enough of his church being made a mockery. A place where people can just be flimsy and weak if they want to. Where obedience is merely a suggestion. We have to rightly regard who it is that we serve. We can't play around anymore can't afford to play around anymore. I mean, isn't anybody tired of going round and round and round the same mountain? Let's like take some mountains. And I realize, I realize that there is pain involved in growth. I realize that there is a point where you're like, I don't know if I can actually go over it. I promise you, you can. If Jesus can sit in prayer, contemplating the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, dying, asking the Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass for me. This wasn't him trying to escape death. This was on the cross. This was him trying to escape death in the garden. He wanted to go all the way, all the way. 
away. He didn't want to stop short. Do you know that he was dying in the garden before he was arrested? He was dying. He's sweating blood. He's dying. That's the cup that he's asking. If it is your will, let this cup of death pass from me. Because, Father, I want to go all the way. I want to make it all the way to the cross because I have a people who I have a dream for and they will fulfill it. So if Jesus can be sitting in the garden, sweating blood and dying, can make it over that, you can make it over your ego. You can. You must. Just a little over a year ago, God asked me, are you willing to give up your reputation? To which I was like, I have one. I know it's shocking. We have a reputation. Most of it is in here. Am I willing to get over my own ego to become who it is that he's called me to be? Am I willing to expand? Am I willing to increase? to take up room? Am I willing to become his fulfilled dream? That's what he was asking. I think we become so afraid of what it will look like that we stop short. We stunt the growth of our yes, because we're so afraid of what it will look like. It will look foolish. It will. But guess what? You're not actually called to be your own judge. You're not actually called to survey your own self. There is one who's willing to search you. And we can trust him. We can trust his searching gaze. We can't trust our own. We'll lie to ourselves. You've done enough, Angie. You've done all you can. When I know full well, I haven't. The only only living being allowed to put measures on you is Jesus. Are you giving him that kind of permission? Have your way in me. Do what you will. Make much of me or don't, right? What's it to you? Why do we care so much what it looks like? he's called you to go to the ends of the earth to share the good news of the gospel, what's it to you? If he wants to make much of you, who cares? We're so afraid of usurping God's glory that we somehow fall into this, this false humility by trying not to be prideful. It's twisted. Do you see how twisted that is? We're so afraid of usurping God's glory as if. Right? Like, do you really think you're capable of sneaking into the throne room and somehow stealing God's glory? Do you see how prideful and arrogant that actually is? You are because he spoke you. You are the manifested word of God sitting right here, right now. If he wants to fill you with measureless glory, what's it to you? If he wants to showcase your life, what's it to you? If he wants to make much of who you are, who cares? Why do we care so much? That's part of the cost, is being able to say, why do I care so much? Why do I care so much what it looks like? We need to lay that aside.
All right. As I was preparing this teaching, God was just kind of showing me, you know, we, we move from glory to glory, right? And that we even kind of like, that's kind of fanciful, I think, in our minds, what that looks like to move from glory to glory. What God was showing me was like, and this is just in my own life, so get your own, you know, course of action here. But this is what it's looked like in my own life. And God was just saying like the vision, the yes, the cost, the threshing floor, the yes, the cost, right? Because once you get on that threshing floor and he is just destroying you, he wants you to say yes all over again. You want me to give you that again? The vision, the yes, the cost, the threshing floor, the yes, and the cost all over again. That is what it has looked like for me personally to go from glory to glory. It's a lot of counting the cost. And I want to read in Isaiah. Leanne, I don't know if you remember her from last weekend. She came from Colorado. Um, she was on Invictus earlier this week, and she was reading from Isaiah 41. We're going to start in verse 14. And this was, this was so, so rich that, you know, one of the, the popular spaces that we go to to understand the threshing floor is the book of Ruth. And, and there's somewhat of a romantic vibe about the threshing floor in the book of Ruth, right? Because we know that she's looking for a husband and we love the kinsman redeemer, right? But what we do not take into account is the violent hand of the kinsman redeemer. Do you know how violent he is in regard to what is his Kinsman means to belong. We belong to him. Redeemer, he will go to the nth degree. Just look at the cross. If the violence of the kinsman redeemer bothers you, then you have a whole nother problem on your hands. Because the, the cross is the most violent act there is. The threshing floor is a violent place. Listen to this. We're in 41.14. Jacob, although you feel like a grub, worm, a grub worm, have no fear. O men of Israel, I am here to help you. I am your kinsman redeemer, the holy one of Israel. I am making you into a powerful threshing instrument with teeth new and sharp. You will reduce hills to chaff and crush mountains into dust. You will winnow them, and the stormy wind will blow them away. Then you will spin and dance with rejoicing in Yahweh, boasting with admiration in the Holy One of Israel. I am making you into a powerful threshing instrument with teeth, new and sharp, capable of taking down hills and leveling mountains. Okay? Do we have a better picture of the threshing floor? There's a violence to it. There's a, and it's, it's, it's for your good. Can we stop being offended by everything, please? Seriously, we're so offended by everything that we wouldn't recognize Jesus if he walked through the door because he is the rock of offense. We love squishy Jesus. Right? And I'm not saying he's not that. But he's also the threshing floor. He is this violent threshing instrument that has teeth capable of leveling mountains and hills. He's also that. You know why? Because love. He doesn't want to leave you in your mess. He doesn't want to leave us bound and tied to strongholds. You know,
Sometimes this is what contemplating your life. Yes, looks like. In real time. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, gosh. Hmm. You guys, we just really don't know what the kingdom of God is all about. We don't. We, we've, we've, we've sat in, in our cutesy little churches that care more about the coffee and the atmosphere, feeling welcoming, than we have regarded the fear of the Lord. It is God's intention to have a pure and spotless bride. Do you not think that that's going to take threshing instruments that have teeth on them? Could we please be those people who, when he comes close with this threshing instrument, that we just simply say, I'm already dead. Could we please just become the living sacrifices we profess to be? What we need to understand is that sometimes what God is doing in a single moment is way beyond just little old me. Right? Sometimes we don't understand what he's doing and that has to be okay. It will come. I promise you, it will come. But if we will just learn to be living sacrifices and just lay yourself open on the altar and say, have your way. I don't care how painful this is. I don't care if everyone is watching. I don't care if I want to feel humiliated. I don't care what it looks like. I just want you. I just want you. Who are those people in the room? That I don't care anymore what it looks like. I don't care if I just begin to snot and cry everywhere. I don't care if I just begin to manifest in weird ways. Like Pepper said earlier, well, what if I start clucking like a chicken? I don't care. We got to stop caring so much. He needs to become the most important thing to us in any given moment. Not just in our secret place where it's safe. Sometimes I think it's appropriate to mock things. I'm just going to say that. Okay, I want to go to Proverbs 27. This is just a very short spot of scripture, but you guys, this is so important for us to remember. So, so important. We're going to Proverbs 27. Where are we going? Oh, you're so good at listening. Pro uh, six, we're going to start in six. You can trust a friend who wounds you with his honesty. But your enemy's pretended flattery comes from insincerity. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. When you are on that threshing floor and he comes at you with his sharp instrument to remove all that should not be standing in his presence anyway, I want you to remember that faithful are the wounds of a friend. And I want you to read what I want to read to you what's in Matthew Henry's commentary. It is good for us to be reproved and told of our faults by our friends. Faithful are the reproofs of a friend, though for the present they are painful as wounds. See, he's not telling you not to experience it, right? He wants us to experience it. How are we going to lead other people into freedom if we can't experience the wounds ourselves? I cannot walk beside you and identify the wounded parts of you to bring healing if I don't allow that to happen in myself. You want to be an effective instrument in the hands of the Lord? Let him wound you. Right? Where was I? Faithful are the reproofs of a friend, though for the present they are painful as wounds. The physician's care is to cure the patient's disease, not to please his palate. I'll read it again. 
The physician's care is to cure the patient's disease, not to please his palate. Jesus Christ does not exist for you to feel good about where you're at. He has pure intentions toward you. His intentions are pure toward you. See, you're a spoken word. You are a spoken word. You exist right now. You are manifesting right now physically because he spoke you into existence. Every fiber of your being held together by the word of the Lord. And that is the word that will not return to him void. We can't let it because the Lamb of God is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. Say that right now. This word will not return to him empty. We're going to say it again. This word, come on, touch yourself. This word will not return to him empty. It's our job. It's our job to let Jesus experience the fulfillment of his dream in and through us. It's why we exist. And before you worry that I have got off track and I forgot about grace, I haven't. He's good and he's perfectly capable of becoming the threshing instrument and also standing as the one who forgave you. Standing as the one who loves you deeply and intimately. He is perfectly capable of removing all that hinders you from experiencing all of him. What we need to make an agreement with is that the violence of the Lord is his love toward us. Back in 2018, we had gone down to Dallas to the, I don't know, Bethel worship thing, whatever. Open Heavens? Was that what it was? Open Heavens? And um, one of the worshipers, I hate even admit this out loud, but one of the worshipers was agitating me. <laughs> there was just, there's absolutely nothing wrong with her voice. She's an excellent artist, but... She was agitating me. And then there was another one who was like doing a whole other thing in me. I was having a reaction to these two different women. And I was like, okay, God, uh, uncle, right? Like how many of you have ever been in that place where you're like, okay, I'm tired of being agitated. Now tell me what's going on. And, um, and that, that's what happened. And God was just showing me like this, this one worship leader had a, a more, um, touchy-feely pastoral anointing that she flowed from. And, and then this other one was more fiery and just like, Aah! right? Like she wasn't clucking. And God was just showing me, he's like, Angie, the reason you're agitated is because she represents your false self. I'm telling you this because it's important for us to hold each other accountable to who we actually are in Christ. The reason why I was so drawn to the other woman is because I am made to be a violent expression of the Lord. And he started to break that down. Started talking to me about how I am the daughter of violence. Some of you have already heard this story. It's on repeat. Sorry. I'm the daughter of violence. And he began to share with me his violent side that I had never wanted to experience. I needed a father for a season in my life that was more comforting, that would hold me 
that would love me, that would even like when I fell down, that would stoop low and just like speak goodness back into my life. But that all shifted the summer of 2018 where he began to call me violence. I wasn't just the daughter of violence. He called me violence. It was my name for that season. He called me violence. Because there is a side to who the father is that needs to be expressed on the earth today, especially in our Western culture. The violence of the Lord needs to be put on display because he wants a pure and spotless bride. And we've put up with everything in our cush little world called church. We have a collection of orphans sitting around singing Kumbaya. And he's tired of it. It's just not going to work anymore. We need the expression of the violence of the Lord, which don't miss what I'm saying. It is very much his love. If you don't believe me, go read Song of Songs 8, something or other. Halfway through the chapter of Song of Songs 8, he lays out what love looks like. And that kind of violent love will be hellish for those who don't know. And it will be overwhelming, unrelenting love for those who do. And it's all for a purpose. He's drawing us in. Do you know that the world actually wants power? But we can't have the full measure of God's power if we're unwilling to be violent ones. We can't just sit around collecting sheeple if we think we're going to get anywhere. The world is demanding power be put on display. And we're the ones that are holding the most authentic expression of power. We are the ones who have access to the most authentic expression of power that the world will ever know. And we're just content to sit on our butts in our pews. Your yes needs to mean something. Your yes will require everything of you. I was on the phone with Pepper earlier this week and she was talking to me about being consecrated before the Lord and, and, and understand, like being willing to ask him, what does it look like for me in this season partnered with the yes of the Lord? What does that look like for me? What do I need to give up? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to pick up and start doing? We have to learn to rightly serve the yes. What does it look like for you to serve the yes? I shared this a little bit on Sunday last week. That for me, saying yes to, to what God had asked of me in the last season was that every single time an opportunity came through Rebecca's ministry, I had to say yes. That's how I partnered with my yes. Every single time there was opportunity. That's me. It's me. Pick me. Like you need to be the one that's in the front of the line. Like don't even ask for cutsies. Just go to the front of the line. We are way too polite. You should be hunting down opportunity to partner with your yes. You really should be. What happens when we don't is it's delayed obedience, and delayed obedience loses power. If you want the full measure, anybody, anybody, anybody? I practiced being an auctioneer last night. <laughs> if you want the full measure, find a way to partner with your yes and be aggressive. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I felt you. We do. We need to be super aggressive. We need to be like the, anyway, need to be like, we just need to be aggressive. <laughs> Finding opportunity. Ask him, don't let me miss a thing. 
I don't want to miss a thing. Right now, right now, do you want to know what it's like being me right now? I don't even know who I am right now. I don't. That is requiring something of me that is so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. I have cried this week because I'm uncomfortable being me. It's uncomfortable. When he is reintroducing you to who you are in him, it's uncomfortable because your flesh is dying. Do you remember the scene in Wizard of Oz when they threw water on her? That's how it should be. It is. My flesh is just like, it's a whole thing. I don't know. I can't do it again. Your flesh will lie to you and tell you that you can't. It will. Your flesh will remind you of who you were. It will not tell you who you're supposed to be. That's the Holy Spirit. Who are you going to side with? Guys, I'm dead serious here. We cannot miss this moment to partner with him. And I'm talking to you guys too. All of you little ones in the room. Yeah, you. Well, you're acting little. Are you going to increase, enlarge, expand? No, I'm serious. God's being serious, Cody. Okay, you heard it. That's the other part of this. We have to hold one another accountable to the yes. If I know what the yes is, you ask Vince, I've been a bulldog all week. What's it look like for you to expand? That's what is required of us. We have to hold one another accountable. I know I'm being a little bit silly. I don't know what happened. I stepped into something. I don't know. But we do. We have to be willing to hold one another accountable. And I don't, honestly, I don't care what your age is. You, you have not arrived. You are not too young. And you certainly are not too old. Don't you giggle. Just to have a lot more to kill. <laughs> uh. <sighs> okay. Okay, Jesus. Before you leave here today, I want you to tell somebody, somebody that's actually legitimately going to hold you accountable to the lofty calling on your life. And this has to be something that you're actually saying yes to. You may actually need to introduce yourself to some people this morning. Who is he calling you and what is he asking of you? If you have said yes to him in any regard, I want you to go to somebody and tell them, what it is that you're saying yes to and ask them to partner with you in it. This is really important. We will shrink back if we don't. If we don't have somebody who has an expectation on our life, we will shrink back and we will come up with every excuse. We will side with our flesh all day long thinking somehow we missed it. You're not missing it because God is releasing dreams right now because he's looking for those who are a Audacious enough to step into them and to run the race. Those who will count the cost. And again, I remind you, it will cost you everything. It will. It'll cost you everything. Your life will not remain the same. Father, just thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in this house. And we thank you that you have broken off so many spiritual strongholds in the last week that we hardly even know who we are anymore. You have released us from the tethers of rooted strongholds. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that right now you are filling our mouths to the full with a yes. 
God, we even look rude because our mouths are so full and we're trying to talk in agreement. And Father, we just thank you for the seriousness of your tone. Because we know you're not messing around. And at the same time, I can feel your excitement for what is to come. On the backside of this, yes, it's just nothing but fun. Nothing but enjoyment, nothing but bliss. It is good to be yours. No matter how painful it gets, it's good to be yours. We are committed to running this race, Jesus. And as we step into a time of, of worshiping you, I'm just asking that you would also release the weight of counting the cost. That we would take that up with you seriously. We love being yours. Amen.